Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the Central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Another Orange Fizz cast here breaking down the SU Top 100. Welcome in everyone, Jaron May here with Matt Bonaparte this time, and we are breaking down numbers 20 to 11. Matt, we are almost done with our SU Top 100. It has been flying by, but it's also been kind of slow, and it's just been a lot of great athletes that we've talked about. You ready to break down 20 to 11? Absolutely ready, Jaron. All right, cool. Uh, for all of our listeners, go check out our SU Top 100 list on our website, orangefizz.net. Follow us on Twitter at orangefizz. Find all of our audio content like you are right now on our SoundCloud page at orangefizz. I had to get all of that out of the way, and now we can get down to the nitty-gritty. And let's start at number 20. That's where we start today. Again, we're doing 20 to 11. And it comes in with a men's lacrosse player at number 20. It's one of the Gates, and it's not Gary Gate, so that's going to be Paul Gate, a two-time national champion, a U.S. Lacrosse Hall of Famer, but he was also a Canadian, and he was just absolutely fantastic when he was at Syracuse. He and his brother Gary Gate, who you assume is going to be on this list down the line, but I don't want to spoil that, um, is he, or rather Paul Gate comes in at twenty. Matt, I'll let you take the floor. What are your thoughts with with Gate coming in at twenty? A guy who was so incredibly talented, but oftentimes his brother Gary kind of cast a shadow over his career but really it's a good point Paul Paul was just absolutely incredible I mean Gary changed the game airgate air all that they had to change the rules because because of him he's one of the greatest of all time but Paul's just right there with them MVP of the 1989 NCAA tournament a two-time champion he was absolutely incredible I mean this guy was just as talented as anybody else in the field and he was a menace on the offensive end. He was, he was great. And when you think about all of the fantastic men's lacrosse players uh, that have gone through this Syracuse program, you got to put Paul Gate at the top of it. And that's why I think him at 20 is a good spot because there's also so many other great basketball players, so many great football players that also should be above Paul Gate, but he should be in the top 20. If he was if he was out of the top 20, that's where I would have a problem. Him at 20 is a very solid spot for him. Now, the one thing that I would say, and it kind of depends on your opinion, um, but having that 1990 national championship taken away from him kind of hurts. Um, and he was still a great player, but if he had three national championships to his name, and technically he does, but it was vacated because of that whole uh, car loan, blah, blah, blah issue. Um, now, if he has those three, can you argue that he's not a top 10 player of all time? Because to win three national championships, that's crazy to do. So, but then you knock him down a little bit because he only won two and you say only two national championships. It's still fantastic. Uh, but him at 20, I think is a, is a pretty solid ranking for him. Yeah, I think he got the respect he deserved. And another guy who got the respect I think he deserved was number 19 on our list, Jerry McNamara. Uh, you know, the secondhand fiddle to Carmelo Anthony in that 2003 national championship run. 
I think Jerry deserves this spot on the list, and I think that he should be so high up. Maybe his stats weren't as great as you might think for a guy who's 19 on this list, but when you really think about it, he was a part of a team that was the basically the first time that two freshmen won a national championship. I mean, mm-hmm. these guys went there and won. They just beat everybody else in their way. And it was a, for a freshman to do that was a pioneering of the NCAA tournament. It was a whole different thing that nobody had seen before. Right. And the thing with Jerry McNamara, I actually have two things. One is he's the best shooter in program history. Absolutely. Um, not going to not gonna even listen to any other arguments for anybody else. So Jerry McNamara, best deep ball shooter in SU history. And then number two um, is that it goes back to the whole national championship thing. And I just talked about it with Paul Gate. Jerry McNamara, when you look in the lens of just men's basketball players, he's one of just a handful, 12, 15 guys. I don't know how many people were on that roster in, in 2003, uh, but he's one of just a handful of guys that actually has a national championship on his resume when it comes to basketball players. And that means a lot. That That is why Hakeem Warwick is so high on, his li- uh, on our list because Hakeem Warwick was a great player, but without that national championship, would he be in the top 50 like he is? I don't think so. Jerry McNamara, would he be in the top 20 without that national championship? I don't think so. So that's why I think that national championship is so pivotal for him. Um, and then obviously he goes on for the next couple of years and kind of takes over as the main scorer, gets out of the lot or gets out of the shadow of Carmelo Anthony, uh, makes the team his own and just dominates. And that's why Jerry McNamara at 19, again, I, I think it's a good ranking. I, I think that um, these these first two people on our FizzCast right now are, are solid spots for both of them. And you mentioned about Jerry, how after Carmelo left the team, he was a one-and-done. Jerry kind of took over. And that, that's sometimes uh, some people use as a knock against him, that he that he... You know, he wasn't the same player as Carmelo, so when the, the offense kind of surrounded him, it wasn't the same team. But his senior season, don't forget, they, they brought home a Big East tournament championship. So, he, I mean, he had that was a tournament championship where he had clutch shot, clutch shot after clutch shot, and he won, that, he won that tournament for Syracuse. It was the same kind of thing where mm-hmm. he put the team on his back and brought them all the way there. So there really is no argument for Jerry didn't get it done without anybody else because he was incredible. Right. Uh, so I think that we're both in agreement for the first two spots. Let's see if number 18 on our list and number three on this FizzCast um, we agree on. So number 18 coming in, let me let me set the scene, is Marvin Harrison. And of course, if you're a Syracuse football fan or if you're just a Syracuse fan in general, you probably know that name because he is arguably maybe you have to preface it with that. I don't think you do. I think that it's easy to say that he's hands down the best wide receiver in Syracuse football history, uh, the best at his position that he played. And then, of course, he goes on to have an illustrious uh, professional career as well. But when you look at his stats in college, he did link up with Again, arguably one of the best quarterbacks in program history. He was there with Donovan McNabb, but he set SU single season receiving record with over a thousand yards receiving. It was 1,131 yards, so 1,100 yards. Uh, And in six of those games, he had over 100 yards receiving. He caught eight touchdowns. Plus, he was also an amazing kick and punt returner. So that's why I think Marvin Harrison at 18 
is a solid position for him. I think you could even make an argument to bump him up to probably the top 15. I think 18 solid for him, and I'll tell you why. Uh, you know, his single season stats before his senior year were solid, not anything special, but at the same time, by the time he finished his career with Syracuse, he landed near the top of several different records list. Second all-time in receiving yards with 2,728. Second mm-hmm. all-time in receiving touchdowns with 20, right behind Rob Moore. Single season yards that he's third overall with 1,131, like you mentioned. And then he's got a couple single game uh, records in the top 10. The guy was absolutely incredible. So when you really take that senior season into consideration and you think about that for a second, he was unstoppable during that time. And like you mentioned, he went on to have an illustrious career in the NFL with the Colts. He was absolutely incredible and is now a Hall of Famer. So when you talk about Marvin Harrison, you got to talk about one of the greatest wide receivers to ever come to the SU campus. Now, before you move on, I just want to make one more point, and it's not even a point. Marvin Harrison comes in at number 18. There's a guy that we're going to be talking about a little later in this FizzCast that I think they should flip-flop, and I just want to put that out there so that once we get to that, I'll remember, and I want to ask you your opinion for that, Matt, but we can move on. Uh, Who do we have at 17? At 17, we've got the SU lacrosse legend, Oren Lyons, a guy who came in early in the, in the, uh, the program's history. In 1958, he was playing. Uh, he was an absolute menace in the, uh, between the sticks, one of the greatest goalies in SU history, and one of the guys who started off the trend of it being a Native American-driven sport. Uh, It was guys like Oren Lyons who were driving the sport. Uh, Native Americans were really playing the sport more than any other people, uh, and they were great at it. So a lot of them came to Syracuse and and built up that program, especially in the Onondaga County like Syracuse resides. So they were incredible, and he was one of those guys who came out of that place and was awesome for Syracuse. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not taking anything away from Oren Lyons, and Uh, A little fun fact for all of our listeners, if you don't know this, there's actually a residence hall on Syracuse's campus that is named after Oren Lyons, and that's how big of of a person and impact that he was on the university and in the central New York area. Uh, But I do have a little problem with him. I don't think when we're ranking the best athletes of all time, I don't think Oren Lyons is a top 20 athlete. The thing is, I think he gets a, a boost in his resume because of the sentimental value. And and that's definitely something you do have to take into account when you think about him uh, because he meant so much to the Onondaga um, uh, Native Americans. He meant so much to the revitalization or just vitalization of the sport of lacrosse and making sure that it was that everyone knew that it was a native American sport and it was the founders game. And that it means so much for those people. And that makes sense. It does make sense that he is known for that because he was a big part of that. However, when you just look at talent, he was great. He wasn't top 20. I would probably bump him down to probably the high thirties because I don't think that he's a, uh, high 30s talent but when you put him uh when you take his talent and combine it with the sentimental value that's where i think you get the top 30s if you're just doing talent alone he's probably in the 50s uh maybe 60s but again that sentimental value does matter um so i don't again i don't think 17 is a great spot for him i would bump him down a couple spots 
I respect your opinion on that. I mean, I, I think that he's definitely a guy, like you mentioned, who, who carries a lot of that sentimental value with him. But at the same time, you know, he still was incredible. I mean, in his career, a 24-8 and record, he didn't really lose a lot. Uh, and a Hall of Famer. So I, you can't knock him down too much. I mean, I think 30s, maybe that's fine. But I don't think that you could call him in the 50s or something like that. I mean, the guy's still a legend in his own right. Right. I mean, the best personal accolade he has is he was an All-American, but a third-team All-American. And to be able to make All-American is, of it in itself, amazing. Like, that means that you're one of the best, probably top three in your position, especially if you're a goalkeeper. Um, So you're a top three goalkeeper in the entire country in that season. So yes, he was great, but... I think he made the lacrosse Hall of Fame, and I think that he's on our list because he just meant so much to the sport because of he was a Native American bringing the sport to the collegiate game and bringing uh, and kind of like combining the Native Americans with the collegiate game. So that's why, again, I'm not going to continue to repeat myself. I think 17 is a little high for him, uh, but either way, we move on and we move on to number 16, and coming in at number 16 is who I think is one of the most impactful players in any SU sport across all sports is Tim Green. Now, if you know about Tim Green, he obviously had an amazing SU career as a defensive lineman. Um, He also went on to have a great professional career. And then after that, he was an author. He was a lawyer. He was just in a anything he touched went to gold type of guy. And now he has his number retired in the Carrier Dome. That actually happened last football season. A great ceremony. Uh, Tim Green coming in at 16. Matt, your thoughts? I think this is a great, great spot for Tim Green. He he, he was an incredibly uh, impactful player on that defensive line. In my opinion, the greatest player ever to put on a, uh, a jersey on that on that Syracuse football defense. I mean, he was absolutely mm. incredible. Ends his career with 45 and a half sacks, edges out Dwight Freeney by over uh, by over 11 for the top spot on that list. He had in in his three seasons, uh, in his final three seasons, 15 sacks, 14 and a half sacks, 13 and a half sacks. The guy was a menace, Crazy. Jaren. He was Crazy. incredible on that defensive line, and and he 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 made you know offensive coordinators were staying up because they couldn't figure out how to get around this guy. He was incredible. Yeah, I mean, a, a part of the College Football Hall of Fame class of 2002, he's on Syracuse's All-Century team, he was an All-American, he was all Big East, he was all everything. So, the thing is, he has all the personal accolades, he has all the personal stats, and if you want to put any type of weight on what you did after Syracuse, he has all that too. So that's why at 16, I question it a little bit and I think that he should be a little higher. Um, And it's so difficult because when you get down to the nitty gritty and you get to like the top 15 and the top 20 and the top 10, all of these athletes are great and it's so difficult to differentiate between them. But like you said, uh, Matt, Tim Green was the best defensive player in SU football history. So at 16, I think that's kind of underrating him. Okay, I mean, I can I can actually uh, agree with that a little bit. Like you said, it gets kind of tough uh, when you get towards the top of this list because there's just so many mm-hmm. incredible players that we're going to be talking about. But 
I could definitely see him bumping up a little bit here, especially with a couple of the next guys we're going to talk about. Speaking of, next guy we're talking about, number 15, SU basketball legend Sherman Douglas, one of the greatest players in the program history. That's why he's so high on our list, number 15, a three-time All-Big East selection he was a consensus All-American. He, he was just one of the most incredible players to play the sport for Syracuse. And he did it pretty well for four years. The guy was pretty incredible, Jaron. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, Douglas is Syracuse's all-time leading scorer and um, the NCAA's career leading assists when he finished his career. So um, at the time, he was those two things. And when you look at his senior season specifically, absolutely amazing career highs in both points 18.2 assists 8.6 per game and then he led his team to the elite eight now they didn't make the final four but still to be able to make it to the elite eight that helps you and that's something that I also take into account when I'm ranking these players is what you did in the postseason so he kind of checks all the boxes for me Uh, But he also has to go up against a lot of other great men's basketball players that we'll see down the line. So as great as Sherman Douglas was, I think he's probably, and you can make an argument for Pearl Washington, you can make an argument for Dave Bing. Um, I think Sherman Douglas is the second best point guard or guard in program history. I think Dave Bing is number one. Um, I think Sherman Douglas is number two, just talent wise. And then I think Pearl Washington is number three. Um, However, Sherman Douglas comes in behind Pearl Washington um, on our SU top 100 list. So at 15, it's okay. I'm not going to make too much of an argument either way. If he was up a couple more spots, I also would not be okay with it. Or I also would be okay with that. And don't forget, you talk about the postseason with Sherman Douglas in his senior season. They made the Elite Eight. They didn't make it to the Final Four. But in his sophomore season, the 86-87 team made it to the National Championship. Right. Lost by right. one to Indiana. So he was a part of that incredible team with guys like Ronnie Cycli and Derek Coleman, Stephen Thompson, who, I mean, they they were an incredible team. They lose by one in the national championship. That was the infamous game where in, in the, the post-game press conference, Bayheim said, uh, you know, when I was talking to the team, I said, when Derek makes the free throws, and then Derek missed the free throws. So Syracuse couldn't come out with the win there. But Sherman Douglas made it. He was a part of that team, and he was a big part of that team, putting, putting together numbers in that sophomore season that compared to that senior season. So he was incredible. Absolutely incredible. Uh, but we move on here on this VizCast. Jaron May with Matt Bonaparte breaking down numbers 20 to 11. And we're halfway through. Now we're going to number 14, or I guess a little more than halfway through. Uh, coming in at 14 on our SU Top 100 list that you can find on our website at orangefizz.net. Uh, is number 14 is Art Monk. And this is where I had the question for you, Matt. So I'll set up the scene. I'll let you give your opinion. And then I'm going to ask you a question. Art Monk, obviously, if you're a Syracuse fan, one of the best wide receivers in program history. Uh, He is, I mean, when you look at his stats and you look at his accolades, he was an All-American, All-Conference. He leads SU in receiving when he was there. He goes on and wins a, a Super Bowl in his NFL career. He was part of the College Football Hall of Fame. There, the list just continues to go on and on and on. He was in the NFL's All-Decade team in the 1990, or 1980s. Um, so, Matt, at 14, do you think that's an accurate uh, representation of Art Monk's SU career? By asking this question, I feel like you're going to say he should be knocked down a little bit. But, I mean, 
When that's you... not that's actually not my question. I have another one after this. Okay. I mean I, I actually I do like this placing for Art Monk. Art Monk one of the best players, skill position players to come out of Syracuse ever. I mean, he wasn't only a wide receiver, he also ran the ball a lot. In his sophomore season, over a thousand yards, six touchdowns, the dude was an absolute machine. And you mentioned when he got to the NFL, three Super Bowls. I mean, he's an absolute legend. Art Monk is one of the guys who, who made this Syracuse program what it was after the years of Jim Brown, Ernie Davis, and Floyd Little, and Larry Zonka. So when you look at him in that, in that 70s era, he was absolutely incredible. Yeah. Okay, so here's my question for you, Matt. Um, you say that he was incredible, and he was. Art Monk was absolutely outstanding. However, when you look at just his SU career, so forget about those those uh, NFL championships, those Super Bowl wins. Think about just his SU career, and also think about Marvin Harrison's. Marvin Harrison comes in at number 18 on our SU Top 100 list. Art Monk coming in at number 14. Do you think that... Marvin Harrison should be lower on the list than Art Monk, or do you think that they should flip-flop? I think it's a little bit difficult to compare wide receivers when one of them played in a different era. Monk played in an era where passing the ball just wasn't as prevalent, especially in college football. I mean, Harrison played in the 90s when the gunslinging was, was a fad. I mean, they were passing the ball all day to Marvin on the outside. And, and Mark Monk, you know, he was a running back as well. I mean, it's a tough question. Um, but I don't know if they should be flip-flopped. I definitely think that Harrison could move up a little bit, but I don't think Monk should move. Okay. All right. So I think that they should flip-flop, at least in my opinion, because I think it, when you look at SU careers, and you make a good point, you do definitely make a solid point about the era that you played in. Uh, but Marvin Harrison... His stats and his accolades are better than Art Monk. And Art Monk, obviously, and it's just so difficult to take out what you do in your professional career, too, because that's kind of what Art Monk is known for. Um, but I, at least when I grade, I th I try to think only SU career. I think Marvin Harrison had a better SU career, and that's why it kind of upsets me. Art Monk is a top 15 athlete. However, I think Marvin Harrison also is. And if you have to put one at 14 and one at 18, I would flip-flop those two players. All right, I respect that. All right. Next up on the list is one of the greatest big men ever to play in the history of Syracuse. That's Derek Coleman, a guy who went number one overall in the NBA draft after he finished his SU career, a guy who was absolutely dominant in his time at SU. And a part of that team I mentioned before, he was a freshman on that 86-87 team that made it to the national championship. I love this spot at 13 for Derek Coleman. I think he gets the respect he deserves. He's an, He was an incredible player for Syracuse, a guy that really epitomized how good big men were in the Big East. Jaron, what do you think about this 13 selection for him? Well, Matt, this was a guy that averaged a double-double in three of his four seasons while at Syracuse. Like, absolutely fantastic when you think about it. All or Every single season that he was there, he averaged over 10 points per game. Um, and then all but his freshman year, he averaged 11, 11, and 12 rebounds. And then his freshman year, he averaged 9. So when you look at it, he was a Big East Rookie of the Year. He was a Big East Player of the Year. He was Big East All Conference all, three first time three first team rather three times, um, and then he made third team as a freshman. So he was on a Big East team all four seasons. So Derek Coleman was 
hands down the best big man in program history. And that's why I think his ranking at number uh, 13 is solid. I think it's, it, it, like you said, it gives him the respect that he deserves because he does deserve to, to have a lot of respect put on his name. Um, and when you think about eras, and we kind of just talked about that, he did all of this in an era that was kind of big man heavy. And he stood out among the big men. So Derek Coleman at 13, I, I, I really like. Absolutely. You mentioned about how it's big man heavy. And, and it absolutely was. And he stood out. He was absolutely incredible. And you talk about the double doubles getting all those points and rebounds. But what we didn't mention is how great his defense was as well. He was a guy that had over a steal a game and over two blocks a game when it all was said and done. And his junior season averaged three and a half blocks a game. The guy was an absolute menace as a rim protector. He goes up there with Ronnie Cycli as some of the greatest rim protectors as well as Eton Thomas yep. in the history of the game. So Derek Coleman, definitely a guy that represents Syracuse well when it comes to great big men. He's also a, still a good representation of the program, still um, kind of bleeds orange, you could say. So Derek Coleman coming in at number 13 on our SU Top 100 list. Number 12 is, we're going back to the football gridiron, is Dwight Freeney and another defensive guy, another pass rusher. We just talked about Tim Green, but now we're going to go on to Dwight Freeney at 12. Um, he probably, or not probably, he had the best single game from a defensive player in program history. He had four and a half sacks against Michael Vick, who would go on to be a pro bowler and whatever you want to say. But he had four and a half sacks against a collegiate Michael Vick who never got tackled and could outrun anybody. Um, and he did it while Virginia Tech was a top team in the entire country. So that specific performance is kind of memorable for me when I think of Dwight Freeney. And then, of course, you look at his stats in his single season. He had 17.5 sacks. Uh, he led the NCAA in sacks. He led this the Big East. He led Syracuse and blah, 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 blah. So Dwight Freeney at number 12, I think it's warranted. Putting him above Tim, Tim Green, though, I think is a little disrespectful. See, I was going to mention that. So you talked about Art Monk and Marvin Harrison possibly flipping over. But Tim Green and Dwight Freeney, don't get me wrong. I think Dwight Freeney was an absolute uh, incredible athlete in his time in Orange Threads. But, I mean, I just don't see how you could really make the argument that Tim Green should be below him. I mean, when you just look at the statistics, they both played four years at SU. Tim Green just edges him out in terms of sacks. He has more... Uh, single season sack consistency. The guy was just, he was just better. I mean, Dwight Freeney was a great player, but Tim Green was just a better one. I, I don't also, I don't really see the argument. He also represents, I think, Tim Green represents Syracuse um, a little better because I think he's just done. And Dwight Freeney is more of a recent player, so he hasn't had as much time out of the game. He retired, what, a couple of seasons ago? I don't think it was too far, too long ago. Uh, but Tim Green has been out. He's done a lot more to represent the university and the football program. Um, Dwight Freeney also, I mean, going on to his professional career, represented the Orange really, really well, especially when he was with the Colts. And that's kind of when he made um, or made a, made a, a uh, big career in the NFL with the Indianapolis Colts. So Dwight Freeney at 12, 
I mean, if Tim Green was ranked higher than him, I think would be great. However, with Tim Green behind him, I think it's a little uh, weird. So I would switch those two again. I would flip-flop Marvin Harrison with Art Monk, and I would flip-flop Tim Green with Dwight Freeney. All of them deserve to be in the top 20. I think both you and I agree with that. However, it's just, again, it's splitting hairs here. Um, I would separate those, or I would flip-flop those two. All right, I'm glad, I'm glad we're in agreement. Right. Wrapping it up here on a FizzCast, Matt Bonaparte and Jaron May. We made it to number 11. It's Pearl Washington, a guy who was one of the greatest players in Syracuse history, especially in the time that he played when the Big East was getting huge. You had some of the greatest coaches in the country. John Thompson at Georgetown and, and Jim Beheim up at Syracuse were really getting that rivalry going. The Big East was thriving, and each of the great teams in the Big East had their one player. And for Syracuse, it was Pearl Washington going up against Patrick Ewing of Georgetown, Chris Mullen of St. John's, and guys of the like. So I think that when you bring Pearl Washington into the conversation, that's what people think of, which is why he goes so high. And don't get me wrong, his stats are incredible, and I think he deserves this spot high on the list. His accolades are also off the charts. A three-time All-Big East player, Big East All-Freshman, a Big East Tournament MVP, a consensus All-American. The guy was absolutely incredible. Jared, do you think he deserves this spot? So here's the thing. And I kind of alluded to this when we were talking about Sherman Douglas. It You have to think about, are you just grading these players as players or are you taking into account what they meant to the program? Because you just laid out, and you did it really well, Matt, what he meant to the program. And with the Big East, and he would bring huge crowds into the Carrier Dome. He would pack the stands, and it was all because of Pearl Washington. And he did that, and he meant a lot to the program when he was there. However, if you want to just grade talent when it comes to being an athlete, I think Sherman Douglas had the more had was was more talented. Um, when you look at Pearl's numbers, he averaged six for a career. He averaged sixteen points per game, seven assists per game, three rebounds per game. He had quite a number of steals. He was a decently okay uh, defensive player, but he was never the fastest. He was never um, the most athletic. He was just a very, very solid and entertaining player at a time where basketball was becoming really big at Syracuse. So, I agree. I mean, he, he had some of the some of the greatest highlights, and, and I know you're going to probably say so. Continue that thought. No, no, no. So, I, I mean, it just depends on what you, how you're grading at home if you're listening to these FizzCasts. Um, do you put just athleticism and, like, your personal um, athletic ability on the scale? Or do you also have to put the whole what you meant to SU on the scale as well? If you do that, then yes, Pearl Washington at 11, great ranking for him. If you want to just think about talent-wise, I would, again, make another flip-flop with Pearl Washington and Sherman Douglas. I could see where you're coming from with that. Obviously, Pearl had you know some of the, the greatest heroics in, in SU history. That half-court buzzer beater yep. against BC in 1984 was absolutely at the top of his 
resume along with so many other shots against so many other teams making Patrick Ewing and Georgetown look like fools when he was just kind of weaving his way in, into those defenses and scoring at will I mean he, he just won the hearts of Syracuse fans by playing so incredibly well and winning in the Big East in, in a time when it was so rivalry centric so I think I agree with you that if you're going to take in pure talent into the equation Sherman Douglas has a good chance but I still think I like Pearl at 11. Okay. All right. And I, again, I'm not going to make a big argument against Pearl at 11 because I think it's a it's a very good ranking for him and it gives him the respect that he deserves. Um, so sure, Pearl Washington coming in at 11 on our SU Top 100 list. Matt, before we go, let's look through really quick. Let me just read through the numbers that we just uh, talked about on this FizzCast. Number 20, Paul Gate. Number 19, Jerry McNamara, Marvin Harrison. And at 18, Oren Lyons at 17, Tim Green at 16, at number 15, Sherman Douglas, Art Monk at 14, coming in at 13 is Derek Coleman, Dwight Freeney at 12, and like we just talked about, Pearl Washington at 11. That's going to do it for this FizzCast. Make sure you go check out all of our SU Top 100 content on our website, orangefizz.net. Follow us on Twitter, at orangefizz, and listen to all of our audio content right here on our Orange Fizz soundcloud page by searching orange fizz but that's going to do it for this one jaron may with matt bonaparte we're signing off now we'll see you next time